Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Promos and Pop-Ups, we explore the intersection between real estate and experiential marketing and how creating great experiences can draw valuable customers to buildings and brands. Today's guest is Adam Salakus, the founder of Alt Terrain, an experiential marketing agency that partners with some of the world's leading brands, such as Procter & Gamble, Google, Adidas, and others. His firm produces activations that uniquely build brand reputation, engagement, community, advocacy, and growth. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, Adam. Hey, Alex. That's a wonderful intro. Thank you so much. So, Adam, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this unique business. Uh, I definitely do that. But, you know, for your listeners, it might be good just to start off with uh, defining all those terms we just threw out there. Experiential activations, pop-ups. You know, it's a real estate show. They may not be familiar with a lot of these things, but I would say the simplest way of explaining it is experiential is also kind of synonymous with event marketing. And, uh, and everyone's familiar with that, going to festivals, brands, putting on events, and so on and so forth. Um, pop-ups often are defined as, you know, uh, renting out a space in a building and using that as a temporary space to showcase a brand or have some sort of event. And the uh, last term you had was activation. And that, in general, means it could encompass many things. What we define as like doing something out on the street, you know, a street team, some sort of marketing activity. Unlike event marketing, experiential marketing is really about how you engage audiences and people, right? And it seems like it's out in the street and all that good stuff. So how do you entice people to lean in and to engage with you as you're representing a brand uh, in, in any given city across the country? That's a great question. So, you know, experiential, the important part of that word is the experience. So you got to have uh, an experience that does a couple things. One, uh, piques people's interest and ideally from afar, because, you know, if, as we're walking through the streets of New York, you know, if you want to interact with somebody from 20 feet away. And if you don't want to interact with the Greenpeace person, you look at your phone or you do something else. So whether it's an event or on the street, it's the, you know, peaking interest. So you got to be People in their mind are saying, are they doing something of value? Is that interesting? Does it look fun? And uh, that's that's the first part. And then as uh, people get closer, you want to invite them, just as if you were to invite somebody into your home or say, hey, you know, would you like to check this out? Or, you know, do you watch, uh, you know, sci-fi movies online or whatever the activation is about? And you just kind of slowly pull them in. And then in your space, your pop-up, your event, or even just a, a street team activation, you know, that's where the experience is. And ideally, you want something that represents your brand, something that the person can get involved with and be a part of and walk away with saying, that's cool. That's, that's something I haven't done before. This is something I want to share with my friends. This is something that, you know, I think I identify with this, this product or brand. And, and, you know, I now see how this, you know, subscribing to this app or, you know, uh, you, know, you know, buying this granola bar could make a difference in my daily life. And that's what it really comes down to. It's kind of like 
use the old show and tell type of thing, but uh, that's that's how I sum it up. Yeah, so it sounds a little bit low tech. No offense, right? I mean, it's not, you know, we're not on a screen building experiences and relationships. You're actually in person. You know, when I think about um, food, there, there's there's fast food and then there's this new slow food movement. And in a way, you know, we're marketing and advertising is all about how do we get customers quickly. Um, and you're not necessarily being motivated by speed. You're, you're being motivated by relationship building and engagement. So in a lot of ways, it's like slow marketing. <laughs> so, so how how do you what's the value uh, that advertisers get when they work with you and how do they measure that type of engagement? Let's do it the old way and then we'll go the new way. So the old way in the '90s or before was you know general impressions and engagement and possibly sales. So if you had a pop up camper or store, you sell your stuff. So there's, that's how you get value out of it. But these days, it's all about extracting value through several means, mostly digital. So, you know, what you're promoting your event ahead of time, letting people know what's going on on your social channels, PR or what have you. And then when your activation is happening, you are also capturing people interacting with your brand, uh, which is pretty valuable in my worldview because, you know, showing people using the product, enjoying it, laughing with it, you know, that's invaluable for, you know, it's almost like a testimonial. And you, you push that stuff out. Um, then there's influencers. Those uh, are, you know, they're, they're a gateway into, you know, uh, past the algorithms of Instagram and Facebook. You bring your influencers in, they interact, they share it to their people. And then um, you also give an incentive to the people who showed up. So you say, hey, you know, um, I'm glad you enjoyed this. You know, you had all these uh, wonderful stuff, but you know, if you do share it online, uh, right now, you know, with our hashtag, you can actually get the shirt I'm wearing. They're like, really? They're like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to get the one off my body, but I'll get you one from the back. So in the end, in short, it used to be about engaging like 5,000 people a day. Now the goal is to get, get it up to 500,000 people. And uh, so that's, that's how our you know, strategy or approach is when it comes to event marketing. So an example for our listeners, when, uh, when I'm in New York and it's the U.S. Open as an example, that space in front of Rockefeller Center between the building and the skating pond, they'll have this big setup where you can come and you can hit a tennis ball, right? Or when there's a, there's a race, they have these little cars. You can There's a new Jeep that's been released. You can drive the Jeep over the, a small little uh, alt terrain that, uh, the Jeep, uh, that the Jeep you might want to use off-road. That's what you're talking about with this kind of stuff, isn't it? That is exactly what we're talking about. You know, those one of a kind experiences. And that would be classified as like a permitted event where you're actually paying something in the upwards of, you know, 20 to $40,000 per day for the space, keep in mind. And then you have your production value, which is probably that and more. And you create a long form YouTube video of it, it lives on forever, you know, online, you know, you put it in the G forum of Reddit or whatever it is, you know, that's what you have to do to make it work. So, you know, in all terrain, we also have the saying is like, how do we scale the streets? So it's like, that's how you do it. You know, you, you promote it prior, during, and after. Okay, so you've got streets, blocks, avenues, buildings. I mean, it sounds like the entire city is your landscape to create engagement. So, and you mentioned, you know, the space that you have uh, can sometimes define the type of engagement, right? Whether or not it's a Jeep on a mountain or a handing out a sample toothbrush and toothpaste. 
How important is location to your business and the space in which it you know encompasses? I'm so glad you asked that because you know the, the other term I've been more uh, recently using for all train is a city culture marketing agency, helping brands connect with people through the city. And you know if you look at let's take New York, the within New York, if you're walking through you know the streets of Soho, it's a much different experience than walking through the streets of Bushwick. I love both of those places. They're just completely different. So, and there's different people who tend to gravitate toward one. Soho, maybe more tourists in the summer and people who work in the creative industries during the day. And then out in Bushwick, you know, it's, you know, you know, the, the Gen X, you know, millennial hanging out, street art, all these different type of vibes happening. And so we, we, I, I personally am fascinated with cities from a very young age, you know, from the streets to the neighborhoods to the culture. And we take, try to keep tabs on that uh, for our clients so that if they want to engage with somebody in Atlanta, we have an idea on how best to do that because it's the way they live their lives and they drive from place to place, very similar to LA, is completely different than Chicago where it's a public transit city. And people, you know, walk around the street. So posters are very effective in Chicago. Thousands upon thousands see each one every day sometimes. Um, versus in Atlanta, not so much, you know, because everyone just pulls into one Starbucks and then they go, you know, to the next destination in their car. So city culture is where it's at in our mind. It's just like this is, it's, it's a marketing, cities are a platform for marketing. How it relates to real estate, we can talk about, you know, but. That's my two cents. Well, it's interesting you bring up cities because I, my whole life I've lived in cities from Montreal to Sao Paulo, New York, Boston. It's always been a big city. And you are, you are hit in the head with such stimuli when you're within a big city walking around, taking the subway. And I imagine uh, the strength of what you do is, is to differentiate from the, the, the multitude of advertising, the regular advertising that you're whacked with in the city, whether it's a billboard or an ad on the, on the, on the side of, uh, of a building or, or a bus station. Um, but that you, you almost become desensitized when you see so much of it. But when I see somebody talking about a new type of food and they're handing it out as samples or there's a new sports drink, at least that captures my attention long enough to potentially get me interested. Is that the way uh, advertising, uh, consumer advertising is moving? Yeah, brands have so many choices, but I can tell you this, that, you know, a personal experience is the most valuable. You know, I was standing in the supermarket the other day looking at so many different chocolate bars. It's like, how am I supposed to know which one is going to be great? Well, you the know? most expensive, right? Isn't that how, that is the most expensive one is the best, right? <laughs> I thought that was how it No, but, you know, uh, so there are a lot of tips and tricks. You know, one thing we've been uh, saying a lot is, you know, there's the, um, the law of seven and the power of three. The law of seven is that even an interested person has to see something at least seven times before they'll take an action on it. And then the, the power of three is that it should come in three different forms. So one could be the, uh, you know, the, the poster or the experience, and then the other could be digital and the third could be influencer. But really, it really, there's just so much information. People are busy and there's stimuli everywhere. So you really have to not just do any one thing. You have to have, be all in almost on everything in some manner. Yeah. So 
that makes a lot of sense, right? Because I think everything, when I see something on the street and then I see it on TV, then I see it on my phone, uh, eventually it'll, it'll, when I think about, Hey, you know, I'm looking, I need a new pair of sneakers and I, my mind will only remember the last thing that I just saw in like eight, eight places. I'm going to, I'm going to buy it. Right. So I get it. Um, when it comes to real estate, I think that people, you know, when it, first of all, when it comes to platforms, I think people think, okay, well, the only place that's going to get your money as an advertiser is the Facebooks, and the Instagrams, because that's where everyone's going. Um, I think um, perhaps also the same with television, perhaps with people still watching it, ABC, NBC networks, all that stuff. But if you're a building owner, uh, you, you know, you have that space on the side of your building that is a great, medium to present ads. And so in a lot of ways, the, the, the building owners are another ad network in a lot of ways, right? And so how, how do you see building owners, property owners, landowners benefiting from your type of advertising? Uh, you know, they often classify that as like out of home or outdoor advertising. And I personally think it's invaluable because it's always on, you know, you, you can't skip it. It's always there. I mean, there are right ways to do it and creative ways, and that's probably best if you're just putting up, you know, some billboard and say, hey, you know, you know, buy me, you know, buy this brand. It's not going to work very well, but it's what you do with it. Uh, but even more than that, Alex, is, you know, that properties have the most uh, valuable space is that people's homes. That's where we sleep. That's where we eat. That's where we do a lot of things. You spend eight to 10 hours or more there a day. And that is probably the most valuable platform of all. How you get in there, you know, is a different story. You know, I, my brother has a condo uh, or an apartment he rents uh, in Hell's Kitchen. And every time I go there in the elevator, there's a list of like deals from Casper and everything else. You get a 20% discount at this restaurant or go to this, uh, this place and show your fob key and you get a discount. And I'm sure that the property owner is not just doing that for uh, you know, just for goodwill, they're doing it as you know, one it's benefit makes they do get some goodwill because everyone's happy they live there and they get discounts, but they're getting some sort of spiff or uh, benefit from those uh, brands or retail shops. Well, it's funny. I think that lends itself to buildings partnering with brands in very unique ways, right? I can imagine a dog-friendly building would partner with Chewy <laughs> to get, some, yeah, yeah. Or why, you know, why would a dog be friends with a Star Wars characters? I, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I mean, because there's everyone's into dogs, and of course, there's a lot of brands, whether that's Pets.com or whatever. But you know, and perhaps you know what I do like I see in 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 show apartments, people who are looking to to, to buy and sell there may be uh, a, a Steinway piano in the, the showing apartment. That's a partnership with the piano company and the building in order to, you know, help the sale and so forth. So I think there's a really interesting idea that you just presented in ways that buildings and building owners can partner with brands to promote products. that ultimately, as your point say there, that does have some goodwill, but at the same time has profit. Yeah, let's just go through them so that we can throw some ideas to your listeners. So obviously they control the mail that comes in and comes out of their, their property, you know, if they have a doorman, so, or whatever you call them, you know, uh, people handle the mail. And you could obviously have, tell the brands, like we have a thousand units and we, every month, you know, we can put a sample of yours or whatever in there and it's just at, with the mail. Um, so that's a very basic and valuable thing uh, that they can make money off of or, 
you know, uh, it could be a trade situation. Maybe it's not about money. It's like, hey, you know, we spend uh, $2,000 on washing, dry cleaning our uniforms. Let's do a deal with the dry cleaner down the street. We'll promote their stuff. And then we get our, our stuff uh, clean for, for our employees. Um, so then there's uh, renting out spaces, temporary spaces, where you can, you know, lease out a space for a day, a week. Uh, there's another new company called Gigster, which is for uh, movie sets and photo shoots. So if you have a place that's not being rented for whatever reason, for a month or two, you should list it on there. And, you know, you can extract some income while, you know, in the meanwhile. And then there are events. We partnered with a, uh, you, know, a, a you know, grocery delivery service. They like, we want to connect with uh, people in this building, talk to property owners. And we set up like a little table uh, as uh, in the lobby where people, as they came down, there was, you know, free coffee and biscuits and all these other things that they sell online at this brand. So, uh, and they were handsomely paid for it. I mean, in my mind, it was handsomely paid. It was a few thousand dollars, you know, for two or three days. And uh, everyone benefits. The people who live in the building are greeted with a lovely little experience. The brands get the intro to the people living in the building and the property owner uh, benefits from the money and also having you know, interesting, a place with interesting things going on. Now, I'm not even going to touch the implications on privacy on that, on that idea. But I think you know, during COVID, you know, people have um, been longing to interact with other humans, right? And so I think that, you know, I, I, I'm not, I say this personally, I'm tired of looking at a screen, right? And I, you know, between all the shows on Netflix and all that, I just don't want to look at a screen anymore. And I'd rather actually talk to people rather than email or text or whatever. So, or Zoom or whatever. So to me, the idea of having people come near my home or that I can talk to on the street, uh, that I can interact with sounds kind of appealing. And I would imagine a lot of people would agree, right? And so are, do, are you seeing or will you see an increase in your business um, that is high touch after COVID is starting to go away when people are longing for more high touch experiences? Yeah, this past year has been a challenging for everybody in so many ways, but uh, we're really trying to come out of it in a stronger fashion, you know. So, but over the past year, it's more of like low touch experiences. Instead of me handing you a chocolate bar or a sample of chocolate bar, it's like, hey, you can take one from the display right to your left. Um, and and I think that the future is going to be. More, it's going to have brands doing good in the world. You know, we realize that it, it, this experience of COVID shows the inequities in healthcare, income, work, and everything else. I think that brands are getting more to behind uh, cause marketing, you know, building purpose into their model, and just being a good neighbor is, is the right thing to do. And personally, that's what I would love to see buildings do because when we get approached by buildings, they're generally like, hey, we're luxurious. We're convenient. We're everything else. And, you know, if that was a person walking into dinner parties saying those things, you'd walk away from them and probably even leave the party. Like, you know, what kind of, what kind of people are they inviting you? But if, if a building was to, you know, participate and contribute to the neighborhood, you know, maybe there's a 5K walk that they can sponsor. Maybe they can donate space to a good cause. Maybe they can, you know, um, you know, say that, hey, you know, there's a nonprofit, going back to dogs, you know, like maybe there's a, there's a, a shelter or a nonprofit happening uh, that, that deals with the anim shelter animals. And we're going to have one day a month where we can bring the animals into 
the game room and you can see them and hopefully adopt them. You know, these are the type of things that I think brands, whether it's a bank, you know, a building or, you know, an app should be uh, figuring it out, figuring out how to do it. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. At adamandeve.com, the number one adult toy superstore, you can select almost any one item for 50% off. And then Adam and Eve loads up the free stuff. Enter offer code BELIEVE at checkout and get 10, that's right, 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six free spicy movies, plus free shipping. That's believe, B-L-E-A-V, offer code BELIEVE at checkout at adamandeve.com. One of the things that, uh, uh, it's too bad, if, we didn't, if you had enough vaccine for everybody, some of these buildings with empty spaces, we could have just set up a couple of nurses, set up a doctor, and we could have just fired off these vaccines to everybody and, uh, and get everybody up and running a regular life again. Uh, I have a question for you. When you have these different buildings, and you mentioned some are luxury, more luxury, less luxury, Who's responsible for making sure that the content that is being presented uh, is appropriate for either the building or the neighborhood? Like you wouldn't, ha you wouldn't have uh, models walking around in lingerie on a bus going by a neighborhood with a bunch of schools, right? As an example. So, where does your responsibility uh, lie? Where does the responsibility of the person uh, permitting uh, the activity in their location? How do you navigate that? So, you know, in some situations you want to get buy-in from the local community board or what have you, but a lot of our events are on the street and you just have to be attuned to the local culture. I mean, again, back to each neighborhood is way different. Some you can't go put up posters in Soho, but you can put them all over Williamsburg. So you have to know what you're doing because you never want to rub people the wrong way. You want to keep marketing and advertising should be about you know, enticing and, 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 you know, inviting people into what you're doing, adding to what's the culture First, you know, like, and again, we have done guerrilla marketing jobs where we're out there in your face, but we try to really, uh, you know, steer more towards something that people want to embrace and share. Now you talk about culture uh, and of course, you know, there's, there's this, revitalize interest in diversity and multiculturalism. And we're also seeing diversity in America, not just in cities, but in the suburbs. Uh, and there are challenges to how to segment audiences through television in some cases and the traditional means of, communi uh, of communication and marketing. Is there advantages to experiential marketing in touching or lightly touching um, various different cultural communities? Yeah, well, you know, even, even starting with our team, we like to have an inclusive, diverse team uh, all the time because you never know, uh, you know, who you're going to be interacting with, particularly out in the streets. You know, if you're at Lollapalooza, you kind of get an idea who's going to be there. But in general, um, yes. And we also try to, you know, yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of brands follow other brands and they go, we want to be in downtown New York and in these gentrified Los Angeles neighborhoods or in, in, in Brooklyn. And I'm like, you know, how about Spanish Harlem? How about the Bronx? How about, how about Astoria, Queens? It doesn't all happen, you know, in this, you know, concentrated area just because you heard of it or it seems cool or because Gucci is there or what have you. You know, so we try to open up people's uh, minds and say, you know, you actually get more value. I mean, look at it this way. I mean, 
if I probably, whether it's experiential or everywhere else, the bigger markets get the bigger dollars, but it goes back to our conversation. Those people are so inundated with ads and marketing. They're all too cool for it. So it's like, I don't want any more of this, but if you take it to Pittsburgh, Detroit, you know, uh, Minneapolis with the same ex on the street experience or the same festival experience or whatever you're doing in real estate, you, you take those things and you do them there. They've never seen it before. They want to talk to you. They want to engage with it. It's not like you have to really put in any effort. It's in, in, and they're excited, you know, so we try to like redirect some of the, uh, the thoughts uh, when it comes to marketing. And uh, just from a financial point of view, any idea or any kind of broad uh, uh, image of what the benefit to the real estate owner, let's say you have a pop-up store and you put the you know, a real estate owner, he's got a building, he's got an apartment building, and at the bottom he's got a space and he allows pop-up stores to come in, all right? Yeah. And for three months, it's a pop-up retail store, and then for three months, it's uh, it's, toy, it's something for kids, and for three months, it's some kind of charity. Um are you involved in terms of negotiating with him how he gets paid and is that substantial to the building yeah usually on the on the websites i mentioned before they set the price but i think more importantly that's a place where i want to live you know where it's always changing if it's the same monotonous thing every day i was a property owner i would dedicate a space to this and use it so that and use it in my marketing materials you know to entice new customers and you know i think that if you make your place more interesting more engaging you're going to find the value of not only your property, but probably the neighborhood is like inching upward. Because once you start doing it, the building down the block is going to do it. And then it just adds to, hey, we got something going on in this neighborhood before, you know, when, when maybe like 10 years ago, back to my brother's neighborhood, you know, in Hell's Kitchen, it was like nothing really happening. But now there are condos left and right, restaurants, outdoor eating, pop-ups, you know, it's really a, a great place to walk around and enjoy. So I would live there. So let's talk about the future for a minute, right? I mean, you mentioned, you, you nodded to the future a minute ago, but let's talk about the future of the experiential marketing business and what you do. Because when I think about your business, experiential marketing, I think since the beginning of time, right? I, mean, I think the, the, the first person that went over to the other person and said, hey, look, um, fi fi fire, <laughs> right? I think that was like experiential marketing, right? So I think you know, we're now that we're in this digital age and we're only going to get more digital and more tech savvy, where do you see experiential marketing going and the importance of it for brands in the future? Well, the, the future is definitely in brands that have a purpose, and make a difference in the world. I mean, you can see I'm of the Gen X generation where I was kind of hands off and didn't care that much. Next came along the millennials and they started voting with their pocketbook. I was a very practical person. I would just take what I liked. Now millennials like, well, that, I don't like that company's policy. So I'm gonna buy from a different company. And I'm sure that applies to real estate. You know, how eco-friendly is this building? You know, millennial wants to know, is this a zero emissions building? Are they good neighbors? What are they doing? You know, like uh, who, what type of people live here? You know, so that was the millennials. And so the future though is the Gen Z population. So let's talk about them. They're the ones that are more activists and they're calling out brands and places saying, you need to do better. And so I think, you know, whether it's experiential or building management, I think they're going to find a very vocal, um, you know, there's a term like upstanding or upstander type of uh, consumer who's going to say, 
you need to fix this. This isn't right. Where do you guys stand on Asian hate? What are you doing for our community? So it's not just right now, it's a choice for a property owner to do something, but at the future, it may not be. So you, you touched upon social influencers and how important they are to getting the story out or the brand information out. Um, that's been something that even traditional advertisers, I think, have latched on to already. What is the reaction from traditional advertising towards this future based on what you're saying? Do you see a merger between uh, experiential experiential marketing and traditional marketing? Do you see divisions of experiential marketing within larger firms? Do you, do you see the larger firms losing share to firms like yourselves? How is the traditional group of companies going to react and or are reacting to all this? Well, one trend is that they're definitely trying to do a lot in-house. So that's one big trend. So it used to be they used to hire an agency for their creative design, and then for their event or experiential and maybe for the influencers. But they started to realize, let's keep all this close to home. It's very personal, our brand. We'd rather not outsource it to somebody. So that may leave company like All Terrain in you know, a not a good position or many agencies. But there are startups who don't have all the resources. There are big companies that need even need help scaling. It's like, how are we going to be at every pride festival in the country. It all happens in the month of June. And so all is the company will say, hey, you know, we, we can be in Cleveland and Miami and Houston and a dozen other cities. We'll help you scale what you want to do. But in general, like, you know, influencers and social, uh, they, if they can do it in-house, I recommend they do it. If they need help, we'd love to help. So that's where, where we are. And I think probably other agencies are as well, where they, if they're true, is like, listen, uh, we can help you along the way, or we can just help you with strategy, we can help you with do your designs. And uh, it, this it used to be, and probably Alex could attest to this, it used to be it's like, hey, you, you ad agency over there, you do everything for us. But now it's the reverse. I'm just going to hire you for this project, this project and that person for that project. Well, you know, I think you're in a great business, right? Because I think everyone loves a party. <laughs> and if it's a, if it's a block party or a birthday party, and I think, you know, the, the, the amazing thing about the world is that we have a tendency to want to celebrate things, right? In the United States, it feels like every day is a day for something. Like it's Earth Day, it's pancake day, it's pie day. I mean, so we, we have, we've created an opportunity to celebrate uh, and respect and it lends itself a lot of ways to your business, right? Because you have your, your, you, you activate quickly, you're on the ground quickly, you interact with people quickly, and you're able to do that on behalf of brands that, um, that not only are engaging, but also relevant. And so I think that there's something to be said for the ability for your business to have a different type of a relationship than an app could have or a selfie or these kinds of things. So I think that um, there might be an opportunity to value the the depth of, of engagement a little bit differently when it comes to your industry and your business than someone else's. Yeah, I, I'm just hoping that... It, I, we do enjoy doing things for Mother's Day or whatever day, and, I, and that's a big chunk of our business. I'm just hoping that people don't see experiential as like a one-off and that they say, we need to be doing this throughout the year. It's not just pride 
week or month. It's pride year. What are we doing for our employees? What are we doing for our customers? It's it's should be something that they should commit to things that are sustainable. And it's not just about spending money. It's about creating a better company that people love so that you attract the right talent and you attract the right type of customers. And so, um, you know, I'm loyal to certain brands that, uh, you know, I, I identify with and I think they're doing the right thing. So uh, it's, I think that is probably part of the experiential future. Yeah, one of the, the best experiences that I've had from a brand, I think it was, um, I don't know if it was Casper, but they, the, it, was, it was in um, the Flatiron District and they had a bed in the middle of the street or something. And then it was like, Take a nice nap. Yeah, exactly. They invited you, just come on, you know, try out our mattress, lay on it. Like, you know, and I, I don't know, you know, I, I really ever would be in a mattress store. I don't think any of them really exist anymore. I think sleepies was the one that was, was around back then, but you know, inviting me to lay down and, and rest for a half an hour or for 15 minutes or for 15 seconds on a busy day was kind of silly, but it was fun. And that's the, the experience that I had with this brand that I would never get, um, you know, I mean, it, online, right? You just never get it any other place. And so to that effect, yeah, there's an opportunity to have these longer term engagements, but you know what? Doing something really fun on a Friday afternoon is also cool too. Yeah. Not only that, I mean, that was 10 years ago, probably. And you remember it to this day. Right. So how many ads you scrolled through Instagram this morning, both of you, I'm sure. Do you guys remember any ads from that for just a couple hours ago? There's ads on Instagram. It was an ad for the real estate podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking speaking of that, I, I I think we'd be uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention how valuable podcasts can be <laughs> to getting an a, a advertising message out. So, if anybody from Google or Adidas or AT and T is interested in 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 in, in, uh, in diversifying their 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 exposure, Shameless, please, shameless self promotion. Please feel free <laughs> to give the real estate. <laughs> podcast to call so so adam look i think you know this has been really fun and i love what you do i've been a huge fan clearly of the work that you've been doing and your other um com contemporaries in your industry i think it's extraordinarily valuable and shouldn't once again to your point be an afterthought it should be um an, an in thought in engaged medium that every brand marketer thinks about. And I really um, uh, wish you the best in your business. And I, I, I thank you for being on our show and sharing with the listeners the importance of experiential marketing. Thank you very much, Adam. Hey, it was my pleasure to chop it up with you guys. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.